Thank you. I certainly thank you for this wonderful uh, welcome and appreciation. I want to say with all my heart to Brother Rasmussen, to his cooperating minister, Brother Stockton, and everyone here, and everyone who's been at the meeting, it's been one of the best meetings I've been in in many a day. Because of your full-hearted cooperation, your support and prayer, and I appreciate all the finances that you have given to support the meeting, and I understood the taking of that love offering from me. It's all appreciated with the best of my ability. I'll spend it to the glory of God. I hope that God will repay you a thousandfold. God bless you. Thank you, Brother Barnett. And a great heartily thanks to everyone in the meeting, everyone that's had a part. I'm very grateful for this meeting. And there's only one sad part about it, that is, it could only be five days. I mean that from my heart. I wish we were here for a month so we could just come in. And I want to, if there happens to be by some other people here, the custodian or some of the, of the, of the uh, group that lets us have this, this auditorium, I want to express my uh, thanks to you also. A wonderful place, fine acoustic, and as Brother Rasmussen was telling us, we received it at a real reasonable price, and we do thank you, sir, and pray that God will bless every move you make. I come this time, after many times of trial, to come to Tacoma, but I felt like this time I could come in the name of the Lord. And that's the way I like to come. Many of my Christian brethren here tonight asked me many times, Brother Branham, will you come to our place? I asked them, just write me their name and address. I put it in a file, and then when the Lord is leading me anywhere, no matter where it is or how small, I go. And then I feel like I can come in the name of the Lord. And I think that's better. That's right. My heart has been stirred, too, by hearing testimonies that held out ten years of healing since I was here the other time. I just met a gentleman at the door that shook my hand and told me, said, Brother Branham, I was laying dying with a cancer. Eat up. When you come to Bellingham the last time, and said, I'm perfectly normal and well and been ever since. The man is in this meeting somewhere now. Then I met a man this afternoon. He said, up in Lima, Ohio, he drove all the way from here to Lima, Ohio, to a meeting in the last stages of cancer, the Presbyterian Baptist and uh, I believe it was a Christian church in the Salvation Army sponsored that meeting. And he come there just in the last stages of cancer and God healing and sure living tonight as a testimony to the Lord and to his grace. 
And now we are leaving early in the morning for Alberta. That's up in Edmonton, Alberta, where your pastor here, Brother Rasmussen, used to pastor. I was there in the big arena, which I suppose seats right on 10,000, and was there about 10 years ago. Then we were going to Calgary at the Stampede Grounds, but this time we're going to Alberta again, up into to, um, Edmonton, rather. I was going to bring my little boy Joseph up here, but I see he's probably got the shouting too loud in his way, so his mother had to take him out. The little boy the Lord gave to me by Thomas. Six years before he was born, we'd had one child, and the doctor said wife could have no more children. They have to be cesarean, and said she could not stand to have another child. And one day I was taking the life of Joseph in the Bible, and I got to weeping. All of you, when you read the Word, you just get to living in it. Why, you, you, you rejoice. And I went into a little closet where I had my clothes hanging at Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I was weeping and praying. And a voice came into the closet and said, You shall have a son, and you shall call his name Joseph. I went to announce him. About four years passed, no Joseph. Finally, we knew we were going to have a baby. Somebody said, is that Joseph? I said, I don't know. But Joseph is coming. And when it was born, it was a girl. Well, then did everybody realize me? I thought every what the Lord said was right. I said, it is. I said, Joseph is coming. He said, you meant Josephine. I said, no, this is Sarah. <laughs> there and Rebecca sitting here now. So then, about four more years passed. Well, we knew we'd go have another baby. The doctor said it would be impossible, but I said, she'll have another. He said, Billy, I've never doubted your word, but said, I'm sure doubting that. Four more years passed, and the wife was going to have another baby. We were real uh, tore up. She was very sick and nervous. And the nurse that was healed, one of Mayo's nurses, dying with cancer on the dead list, Louisville, Kentucky, been on the dead list for about 10 years now. She's nursing at the Clark County Memorial Hospital, healthy, well woman, only weighed about 40 pounds when she was healed. But the Cancer Society got her dead, and call them and find out. But she's alive, and very much alive. She's been with each of my children when they were born. And Sister Margie was away on a case and couldn't do that at that time, and she and me and my wife were just bosom friends. And there had been a lady, you know how it is, prophesying and said that the Lord sent her to lead me. And she got real provoked because I said, no, the Lord leads me. So she made a statement and said, well, the Lord was going to let me fall when I was going down south in an airplane. But it never happened. I went right on just the same. She said again that I was out on a hunting trip. She sent all through the country and said that I'd fell off of a mountain, broke my right arm, and hunters was out looking for me everywhere. Wasn't the word of it so. And so then 
She told the wife to send word up there, told the people that the Lord was going to get even with me for not obeying her. Wife was going to die this time in childbirth. He got to her, the poor little fella. Is any credit to be given to the Brandon family? Give it to my darling wife. She stands between me and the public, 38 years old, white, gray-headed. She's really fought a real battle. God bless her soul. And so I took off up to Green's Mill, my little secret place where I go to pray to settle the differences. I'm just going around the bend. I don't believe the FBI could ever find me back there, back in the cave. And I seen that light hanging there in a bush moving around. He said, turn, go back to your car. Your Bible will be laying open. And when I come back to my Bible and pick it up, it was Nathan talking to David, said, do all that's in your heart, for God is with you. And then, then the Lord appeared to Nathan that night and said, go tell David, my servant, didn't I take him from the sheep coats and follow those few sheep to uh, give him a name like great man of the earth? Have not I cut off his enemy before him wherever he went? Have not I been with him? I just started weeping. I got in the car, drove home, and she was going out to empty the garbage. Poor little fella could just barely walk. She's weeping, all nervous. I put my arm around her. I said, honey, don't worry. It's all right now. That settled it. The next morning, the baby was born, and I was sitting in the room with some more anxious waiting fathers. The nurse came down, she said, Reverend Branham? And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you got a fine seven-pound and three-ounce boy. I looked at him and I said, Joseph, you've been a long time getting here. Daddy's glad to see you here. <laughs> she said, you called his name Joseph. I said, that is his name. Somehow when I was in our church, many of you sprinkling this baptism, infant baptism, that's all right. We try to follow the Bible. Jesus picked up little children and blessed them. We dedicate them. In the dedication of the little boy at the altar, somehow I was inspired to say, Joseph, thou art God's prophet. And maybe when I leave, I pray that a double portion of the Spirit will come upon Joseph or the age to come, if there is one. Till I see you, my dear friend, I told you the gospel truth. I've done all that I know how to do to present Jesus Christ in all the way that I know how. And you've listened, you've believed, you obeyed. Now, to many of you people is sitting here was not in the prayer line and perhaps will not be in the prayer line tonight. You'll find out It'll be weeks after I'm gone that diseases that was in your body is already healed. Now you just write that down and find out that isn't true. I never said this before to kind of keep a little bit of pressure down, but I'm fixing to leave tonight. It's been constantly all over the audience that light appearing to people like that. And I, I don't, sometimes I can't call him. But I know they'll find out by and by that it's so, that God has did it. And the things when we were shared the last time and told you that the Holy Spirit said that these things would be, you found it to be the truth. 
that it would be so that it would know the very thoughts of the heart. That's nothing but Jesus Christ. Now, to some of you newcomers, I wish to say this before I bring my message, just in a, take a few moments, then the prayer line. Maybe this might be your first time to be in one of these meetings. I just want to quote a scripture because my message tonight is on salvation. And I do not make divine healing the main issue. Divine healing is something on the line. I do not say that divine healing and salvation is on the same basis. When you're saved, you're saved for eternity. But when you're healed, you'll get sick again. Lazarus was raised from the grave, but he died again. Healing is just one of the blessings that goes with salvation. It's the earnest, it's just a down payment and an assurance that you'll be raised up in the last days. Now, I do not claim to be able to heal anyone because I know better than that, and you also. There's not a man in the world can heal the sick. There's not a doctor in the world can heal the sick. There's not a hospital in the world can heal the sick. There's not a drug in the world can heal the sick. If there is, Mayo Brothers knows nothing about it. They say we only claim to assist nature as one healer, that's God. What if I was breaking my arm out here, cranking on my car and running into the doctor and say, Doc, heal my arm right quick, I want to crank my car. He would tell me I needed mental healing. That's true. He can set my arm, but God does the healing. The Lord does all healing. He can move a growth, pull out a tooth, what more, but God does the healing. Because healing is developing cells, multiplication of cells. And nothing can create but God Himself. So, in the meeting, what these gifts are for is only to bring the people to a recognition of the presence of the Lord. That's all it is. I'll never have to touch you. Only thing you'd have to do is take God's Word and believe it. You could be healed if it was in a cornfield, in the woods. Just the same as you could be in this church. Just the same. Healing is the finished work that Jesus Christ purchased for you at Calvary. Just the same as he purchased your salvation. Someone said, well, I was saved ten years ago. I beg your pardon. You wasn't. I was saved last night. I beg your pardon. You wasn't. You were saved 1900 years ago when Jesus died at Calvary. You just accepted it ten years ago or last night. It's already a finished work. It's all finished at Calvary. And every attribute of the atonement is just as real to each individual tonight as it was the very afternoon it was made at Calvary. Will be until Jesus comes, and we'll have no need of it no more. Now, in the meeting, the discernment is what kind of catches the people. Now, since I was a little bitty baby boy, then visions have come. And it might be questioned to people. Get around to someone who's been in the meeting, someone that's been called. Superstitions rise, doubt. So, well, Ernie Thandler, a man of scientists, he's invented a medicine now. They've got a medicine that's a cure for arthritis. 
or to help an arthritis, take the acid, the deposit of bones. It's in the medical association now going to be manufactured by a full gospel business now, a million dollar plane in California just went up. And coming down the road from Alaska, he seen a sign in Canada there at, um, just below Dawson Creek, Grand Prairie. And he went down and he noticed that discernment in the line. He said, you know what? That's somebody in the meeting. He knows all around people. So I'll just fool him. Goes over and gets an old Indian and brings him over, gets him a prayer card and sticks him in the line. When the old Indian got up in the line, they told him what his name was, where he come from, what his trouble was, and said, you've got a boy sitting out there, studying to be a minister. He said, that's right. I said, this little fellow sitting right over here, a white man, a Swiss, he's all full of superstition, so he just went and got you to bring me to this person. And he just fainted and passed out on the floor. <laughs> Just after that, he received the blessed Holy Spirit. Friends, is my Bible before me. It's real and from God. Yeah. Now, when Jesus is here on earth, he did the same thing. And now, one more word. The prophet said there would be a day that could not be called day or night. All Bible readers know that. That's right. But in the evening, it shall be light. Now, when the sun rises, it's in the east and travels westward. Civilization has traveled with the sun from east going west. We're at the west coast. It's the last message. The sun shone out on the eastern people. On the day of Pentecost, God restored back to the church and gave it gifts. He ascended on high and gave gifts unto man. And after the apostles passed away, there's been a day that's not been night nor day. They've had enough light to walk in, have churches, organizations, people accepted Christ. They've had enough light to walk in to understand Christ. But brother, sister, on this Gentile world, in the Western people, the sun is setting. And the same light that showed on the day of Pentecost it's flashing, it's flash, flashes to the earth. The same Christ that was in that day is today. It'll be light in the evening time. I'm so happy to know this in my heart, that we're walking in the evening light. God bless you all. Now, just before we open back the Bible, any man that's able to move his hands is able to open the Bible, but no one is able to make it to an understanding but Christ himself, the author. So let us bow our heads just a moment and ask him to open the word for us. Blessed Lord, may your eternal blessings rest upon this people. Save the lost tonight. Bring back those who have once known you and have wandered away. Heal the sick and the afflicted. Long may this meeting be remembered in the hearts of these people, and may it be to them as those who came from Emmaus 
after the resurrection, that first beautiful resurrection morning, when Jesus walked with man, talked with them, but when he got them alone and shut the door behind them, he made himself known by a certain way that he did things before his crucifixion, and they knew that it was the resurrected Christ. By your presence may we go like those disciples, not only to Jerusalem, but to the utmost parts of the earth, saying, Indeed, Jesus has risen from the dead nineteen hundred years ago and still alive. For did not our hearts burn within us as he ministered to us? May every minister be encouraged. Bless those who close their churches to cooperate in this meeting. God made their churches grow. Bless every church in the city, throughout the country and nation and world. May there finally come the day when a great coming together will be and a great shaking just before the taking away of the body of Christ. Forgive us of our sins. Give us of our blessings tonight. Manifest thyself to us, for we ask it in the name of thy beloved Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Just for a reading of the word, we're going to turn to Psalm 63 and read just the verse or two. O my God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee, my flesh longs for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in thy sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better to me than life, my lips shall praise thee. We have here one of the most unusual scriptures. I shall never forget when I first read that scripture. I could not comprehend what the psalmist must be speaking about when he said, Thy love kindness is better to me than life. And I can think of nothing else any greater than life. So I wondered what the psalmist must be thinking of or speaking of when he said, Thy love kindness is better than life. So there must be something that he had in mind. So after studying a little while, I begin to remember that life has many different needs. Sometimes 
that life, what people would call life, is not really life, it's perverted life. Because there's really only one life. And that is eternal life. And there's one eternal life, and that life comes from God. Now, eternal has no end, neither does it have a beginning. And now anything off of that is something perverted. Now, sin is nothing else but righteousness perverted. If I might make that clear, it is lawful and legal and honorable for a man to take unto himself a wife and then bear children. But a woman who is not married to this man could live with him as a wife, as much as his own legal wife could do, but it would be a perversion. So all unrighteousness is righteousness perverted. So in life, the unrighteous life is nothing but the real life, eternal life, perverted. Now many think that drinking, gambling, is life. Many times people get in their head, like a lovely young woman, she may be pretty, and she'll dress up real nice, go down the street, and the boys will whistle at her, and she'll twist her shoulders and giggle and smoke her cigarette, and she thinks that's living. But the truth of it is, it's death. The Bible said, the woman that liveth in pleasure is dead while she is alive. It's life to the flesh, but it's death to the spirit and the soul. Many times young men become very popular, and they go out with the crowd and get too much to drink, and to get out on the floor and just become a clown or a mimic, and they throw up their hands and say, this is life. Oh, my decrepit brother, that's death. The wages of sin is death. But you call it life. Here some time ago, I was in a great city, and we were having a revival. That night when I went up to my room, there had been a little club, one of our noted um, lodges in America, was having the Jubilee there, or some kind of a convention. 
And I've noticed the people drinking, carrying on. This great hotel with hundreds of rooms in it, as I was taken up to my floor and was let out, I started walking down to my right and I heard someone carrying on. I looked coming down along the doors and there were two young women, probably between 25 and 30, perhaps mothers had taken off their wedding rings. They were in their underneath garments, and the man was pulling them from one room to another. I stepped back in the shade to watch and to pray for them as they passed by. And as one of them come out, both beautiful women, perhaps with a husband at home taking care of the children. And they called that innocent son. It's sin to the utmost. God will make you answer for that and will not hold you guiltless. And as they came out past by, they've had a bottle of alcoholic beverage in their hand of some sort. They passed it one to another, too drunk to talk to, and one of them turned the bottle up and taken a drink and handed it to the other. And said, what if our own man knew we were having a lot of fun like this? And the other kicks her foot way up in the air and pulls her garment up to her head and hollers, Whoopee! This is life! I stepped out in the middle of the floor. I said, Lady, it's death! They grabbed that bottle of whiskey and down the room they went as hard as they could go. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she is alive. That's not life. It's death. That kind of a life gets so miserable. Until men take the gun and blow their brains out. You couldn't call that the kind of life that David was speaking of. No, it's a perverted life. It's the life that the devil's trying to have you to live. Now notice the perverted life. The devil inspiring it. That life becomes miserable. I've never seen it in all stages from the rich to the poor. I've had the privilege of being in king's palaces from that to the lowest heart on Skid Row. And I've never seen a contented sinner in my life. Right. There is no happiness or contentment outside of Jesus Christ. I've seen him so rich, 
until they had bodyguards with them. And I've seen them so poor till they begged for a drink of whiskey. And from the one to the other, there's no satisfaction in sin. Then what do they call that life? How could you call it life when you want to take it? It's not life. Now, if the devil can't get you to do something like that, he's done something else. He'll let you be a gentleman, and you'll pay your honest debts. You'll treat your neighbor right. You'll even join church and think that you've got life, but that still is death. Except the man be born again, he will in no eyes enter the kingdom. If the devil can't get you to see a truth, he'll push you out the deep end. So joining church is not life. Singing hymns is not life. Preaching the gospel is not life. Only one way you can have life, that's to know him. You don't know have life by knowing the catechism of your church. You don't have life by knowing the Bible. You have life by knowing Christ in the free pardon of sin is the only way that you can have life. And notice again what makes you try to have a big time like that. It's because God has made you to crave life. God made you up, your makeup. There isn't a man or a woman on earth tonight, neither that was there ever a man or a woman on earth tonight, or on earth at any time. But what had a craving for something, a thirsting for pleasure? And God made that thirst in you. And He made that thirst so you would thirst after Him. And how dare you to try to quench that blessed holy thirst that God's put in your heart to thirst after Him and try to satisfy it with sin. How dare you to try to quench that holy thirst for something by some vulgarity program on television instead of going to the church of the living God? How dare you to force whiskey Cigarettes and dope into your body and use your eyes for lust to try to satisfy that blessed holy thirst that God telling you to thirst after Him. God will hold you responsible 
My friend, at the day of judgment, if you don't satisfy that thirst with drinking at the fountain of the inexhaustible fountain of life, let him that's a thirst come. Whosoever will, let him come and drink from the waters of life freely. That's what you're thirsting for. You're running from church to church. Every time a little something happens, you run to it. A little ism can rise up and you take after it. Oh, it's so good to come to the fountain filled with blood down from Emmanuel's veins. When sinners plunge beneath the flood and lose all their guilty stains. It was said one time that a great sea rover was passing by an island, and the women would sing so beautiful until the sailors would come in. Their man would lay in ambush, and as soon as they came in, the man would run out of ambush and murder them and take their ships and use them for their own. This great sea rover wanted to hear that music, so he put plugs in his sailors' ears and had them to tie to the mast pole and sail along the side of this island. And when the natives saw the ship coming, the women got out with their enchantments and their lovely songs. And they sang and he screamed for some of his sailors on time. He would have gave orders and sailed into their port immediately. But the sailors had plugs in their ears and could not be removed by his orders until they reached a certain place. And as the screaming around the mast pole to which he was tied, he finally went to his destination. The sailors untied him, removed the plugs from their ears, and while they were in the city, they were in a great building, and some famous singers were there, and they sang the gospel song with such a great power of the living Christ. And when they started to sail back by the sea, they said to him all over, Will you let us tie you to the post so that you will not be tempted to turn in? He said, No, just let me alone. I've heard something so much better that that sounds dead to me now. Brother, when a man ever comes to the fountain of Christ and receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the things of the world are so dead, you don't have to worry about anticipating in them anymore. He's found something so much better. How true that is. Thirsty. Oh, I thirst for thee, said David. My soul thirsts like in a dry land where no water is. David was a woodsman. He knew what it was to deal with wild life. 
For in I believe the forty seventh Psalm he wrote this as the heart thirst for the water brook, so my soul thirst after the old God. Now in Africa and different places where I ministered, a deer, a heart is a deer, and sometimes the wise dogs get after these little fellows. And they have a shrewd way of downing their deer. They'll grab the deer, they have fangs, and they grab the deer just behind the burr of his ear. Take these things into him and swing your weight. A wolf will do the same thing. It'll cut the throat of the deer. The jugular vein lays on the side down there, and when those great things rake across there, the deer dies immediately. Another way they have of doing it, if they can't grab behind the ear, the neck, they grab them in the flank, and when the dog or wolf grabs the deer in the flank, he throws his weight down, and in the middle of the deer it throws him off his feet. Then he's covered with dogs in a few moments, and they tear him from place to place, piece to piece. Now, sometimes with the fast maneuver, they can get away from that wild dog. The dog may grab him, and if he doesn't get too much of a hold, if the deer will jump sideways, it'll, the dog holding on to the flank will pull that chunk out. And the deer swiftly, if it isn't hurt too bad, can sometimes escape from the dog. But he can't go very far. He's bleeding unless he finds water. I've shot deer and watch them. If he can get to water, he can survive. But if he can't find water, he's gone. And David given that most beautiful expression as the heart first for the water brook. The little deer's wounded. He's bleeding to death. It's either water or death immediately. Could you imagine him hot, bleeding, the hounds right behind him? And as he lifts his head, he smells, he looks, he's watching for water. He must find it or perish. Oh, my decrepit friend, the hounds of Kills behind every one of you tonight. We must find Christ our perish. As my soul thirsts after thee like the heart for the water brook, we've got to get to Christ our perish. That's to the church. That's to the nation. That's to the world. Look at the condition we are in tonight. While in Moscow, they can land a bomb on top of this building. Guided by radar time, by the radar and stars, they can drop it anywhere they want to. 
and grow 175 feet deep in the ground for 15 miles anyway. They've got their finger on the trigger and sitting in this nation with the same kind of a weapon to drop on on them. It's just who pulls first. Then something's going to happen. No wonder in the world is a quivering all over tonight. There's a great drama set. One time down in South Africa, I was hunting for lions, and I went down behind the native crowd, and I heard something, and it was a little sheep, and he was raising along all right. And after a while, the little fellow, the son, he became very nervous. I thought, what's the matter with the little animal? I used my binoculars. I couldn't see a thing. But he was so restless, being quiet just a few minutes before that. And I happened to have my binoculars trained on the yellow grass, and I noticed two ears sticking up. The little sheep could not see that line, but there was instinct in the little fellow, letting him know that trouble was at hand. He was so nervous he couldn't eat. And I watched that drama as that lion cracked, coming easy like the big cat through high weeds like that. He could smell the lamb, but the lamb could not smell him. But the lamb had an instinct that told him that death and trouble was at hand. And if God so has made a sheep to know when trouble is at hand, how much more has he given to a man to know that trouble is at hand? It's time to come to Christ. Don't try to quench that thirsting with the things of the world. It's perverted life which will send you to hell. But forsake your ways of sin and seek Christ and his righteousness. For I say unto you, in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, God's Son, stands in this building tonight. As John of old said, there's one standing among you who you know not. And the resurrected Christ for five straight nights now has made himself manifest in here to perform out in the audience. That's what you're really wanting. That's what you need. So my friend tonight, as you're watching this meeting, as you're listening in now, I pray that God is opening to you a fountain, that you'll drink from that fountain where you'll never thirst again. Think of it while we bow our heads just a moment for prayer. Just think a minute. Death is right behind you, galloping on. Whether you're young or old, it'll take you just the same. You want to come to the waters now of life freely? Send a friend of mine, 
This may be our last time to lay eyes on each other in this world. Would you slip up your hand just a moment and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner? Brother Branham, remember me in prayer. I put up my hand. Anybody on the bottom floor here, be honest with yourself now. God bless you, lady. Someone else would say, remember me, Brother Branham, in prayer. God, I'm a, I want to accept you just now. Accept your son as my personal Savior. Would you put up your hand, someone else on the bottom floor? God bless you back there, my brother. Somebody, God bless you over here, my brother. God bless you down there, brother. God bless you back there, brother. That's good. Back over to my right. The Lord bless you. That's good. Somebody else now would raise your hand and say, Brother Branham, remember me in prayer just now as we're just about to close the service. Say, remember me. I want to hear accept Christ as my personal Savior. Would you raise your hand? Say, remember me, Brother Branham? That's right. God bless you, sister. God bless you, sister. I know there's plenty of them in here. Would you just put up your hand? You can do that much. On the bottom floor now, will you do it before we go to the balcony? It's been about 15. God bless you back there. I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you, my brother back there. That's good. Oh, Brother Branham, I know I go to church, but I, I, God bless you, sister here. God bless you here, lady. I go to church, but I, I, I know I know I'm not right. I want to be right. God knows I want to be right. Will you put up your hand? The balcony's to my right. Someone up there say, Brother Brennan, remember me. God bless you, young man. God bless you, lady. Someone else say, God, God bless you, lady. That's good. Remember me, Brother Brandon, just now in prayer. As you go to prayer, I believe in you. God bless you, Brother. I now want to raise my hand and say, I believe in Jesus Christ. And Brother Brandon, remember me in prayer. Just before you leave this building tonight, won't you do it? Put up your hand and I'll certainly do it in God will see you. Won't you do it? Up here to the balcony to the right. Just one more time because God bless you, sir. Right here, I see your hand. God bless you, sonny boy. Sitting right down here, that's very fine. Another, God bless you over here, young fella. I see your hand, and surely God does. As the heart fainteth for the water brook, my soul thirsts after thee, O God. Would you raise your hand, and remember me? Over here in the balcony, now to the right. Now we cross over and go to the left, to my left. Would someone over there put up your hand and say, Brother Branham, remember me in prayer? I'm in need. I realize that I love to drink from that fountain. I want to be right above everything in the world, for I realize that there's nothing left no more. Would you put your hand up, someone on the left balcony? Say, remember me. God bless you, sir. God bless you down there, sonny boy. God bless you down there at the end of the balcony. That's right. God bless you up there at the top. That's good. God bless you up here, my brother. Certainly, God sees your hand. Now be honest with yourself. I say to you, in Christ's name, we're in His presence. Right now, this group of people is sitting with the eyes of the Lord Jesus looking up on you. That isn't true. I'm a false prophet. God bless you, sister, right down here in the bottom rows. I see you. God bless you, here, lady. Somewhere else in the building, anywhere, standing around, whatever. God bless you, lady, sitting in the balcony to the right. That's good. 
God sees your hand. There's a recording angel putting that right down. One of these days when maybe the doctor visits your house, maybe before morning, takes the pulse, shakes the head and says, there's nothing to be done, you're dying. When you're pressing a dying pill and the icy veins cooling off in your arm, you'll be happy that you raised that hand to Christ. But if you should have done it and God told you to and you didn't, what an icy hand to hold, it's too late to hold hand. Now's the time to make your decision. Would you be ashamed of me? God bless you back there, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you back there, lady. God bless you, sir, back there. God bless you, my brother, back there. God bless you, little boy. If you will confess me before man, I will confess you before the Father and the Holy Angels. If you're ashamed of me before man, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father and the Holy Angels. I love you. You say, Brother Branham, why do you make that so straight? God bless you, sir. Why do you make that so straight? Oh, brother, if God has given you the privilege to break in to see a past the curtain of time, this that you see happen here in the meeting, that spirit that comes and packs out into the dimensions that the world knows nothing about. I do know what I speak of. I don't say that boastfully. I say that reverently, humbly. And I do know without Christ your lost brother. There's nothing in the world can save you. And don't be deceived by being able to do good works and join church. It's just another perverted life. Anything that you do within yourself is not of God. God helps those who cannot help themselves. If you just quit drinking, say, I know I ought to quit drinking. I want everybody to pray for me that I'll quit drinking. And then you go out and say, if I ever take another drink, one of you boys smack me in the face. And they do that four or five times and you quit drinking. That still hasn't done one thing. That has got nothing to do with God. It's a birth that comes into you and those things automatically are gone. Won't you accept me now? Could there be another just before prayer? All right, shall we bow our heads now? Lord God, creator of heavens and earth, no doubt but what some of these people sitting here tonight that's raised your hand to this great host, 30 or 40 people, that's been people who's been thinking of these things for a long time. They've been tossed about, but tonight, somehow, this little broken message, God has spoke to their heart. For it is written in the Word, No man can come to me except my Father draws him first. And it's written also that he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall never come to the judgment, but pass from death to life. They don't have to worry no more. If they mean that from their heart, all the old things are gone. They shall never come to the judgment or condemnation. They've accepted Christ as their Savior. 
and have been made a member of his body, and that body's already been judged. God cannot judge it again. But I'll pass over you when I see the blood, saith the Scripture, give unto them eternal life. Give health to them, happiness and joy. May they find a church home somewhere close to where they are living, and there be a faithful member of the body of Christ until you call them home. Then may they hear it said in that last day, It was well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord that's been prepared for you since the foundation of the world. Grant it, Lord, for we ask it in Jesus' name as I present them to you as the fruits of this message. Keep them, O God, through thy word and thy strength. Amen. I realize I had to chalk my message just a little short tonight and be just a little aware that you can't think just as you should. But I hope that somehow God settles it into the hearts of Christians too. The Bible said, Blessed are ye when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Oh, my soul thirst for him. And now, friends, each one of you that raised your hand, some at least 30 or 40 here tonight, as sinners that accepted Christ, if I read my Bible right, the very minute you put up your hand, if you meant that from your heart, you become a member of Christ. Jesus said, I know we have different ways and different people think you should be baptized first and you should do this and do that. But Jesus said, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has eternal life. That settles it as far as I'm concerned. Now you say, what do you mean by putting up your hand, Brother Brandon? Was that good enough? Absolutely. I said this the other night. It stands repeating. According to the laws of science, you broke every law and defied science when you raised your hand. You're a creature of this earth, and the gravitation of the earth would hold your hand down, actually. But there was a spirit in you, a supernatural something that science can't find. The Holy Spirit spake to it, and you defied science by raising your hand to your Creator by this, I will now accept you as my Savior. It was a decision that your soul made that defied science and gravitation and said, I accept Jesus as my Savior. The witness that you're a Christian, God bless your gallant souls, is my prayer. And as soon as this healing service is over, I'm going to ask you to come up here and stand around this altar. And just offer a word of thanks to God. It'll strengthen you. Promise me that some of these good churches around here, you'll go tomorrow and talk it over with the pastor. Say, Pastor, down to the meeting the other night, I felt strangely something touched my heart. I raised my hand as the minister, asked if anyone wanted to accept Christ, and I did. And something has happened to me. I feel like a different person. You're now beginning to live. 
Say, I want to become a member of your church. I'm going to help to do everything that I can to honor Jesus Christ. He'll be glad to have you. I know he will. And he'll appreciate you. God will appreciate you. You fall right in with the rest of Christians now and be a real worker. How many Christians in here welcome them as brother and sister in the body of Christ? Raise up your hands to God that you welcome those who raised their hands a while ago in the body of Christ. God bless you. Now the next is our healing service. Just 9.30, according to the clock. It's 9.30, and we want to have a healing service. Not that we are going to heal anyone, but I do believe that God will respect his word, and I believe that the presence of the Lord is here to heal the sick. Not only by my prayers, but by your prayers. Just pray. Now, I want to say this in behalf of maybe some of them that hasn't been here before. When Jesus Christ is said in the Bible to be the same yesterday, today, and forever, how many know Hebrews 13, 8 says that? Certainly it is. Then I want to ask you, is that the truth or is it an error? It's the truth. Well, then, if he is the same, he has to be the same in principle, same in power, same in action, same in attitude, or he isn't the same. He'd be the Jesus, only different. But the Bible said he's the same. Now, if he is the same, let's just ask something. If Jesus is here as he was on Galilee 1900 years ago, would he stick out his chest and say, Bring me the sick now, I'll heal them. Jesus said he never did heal anybody. Anybody know that? He said, It's not me that doeth the work, it's my Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the work. And when he passed by a great host of lame, blind, and crippled people, he found one man on a pallet, for the Lord had told him, God had told him where he was. He said, Well, thou be made holy. He said, I have no one to put me in the water. While I'm coming, somebody else better off than I steps in ahead of me or outrun him or something. He said, Take up your bed, go into your house. He never questioned, he obeyed. And he walked, took his bed, and went away. He never questioned, Do you think I could do it? I have not much strength. I've been this way 38 years. He never thought of that. He just obeyed. Then Jesus made this statement, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself unless he sees the Father doing it. How many knows that's right in the Bible? St. John 5:19. Jesus Christ said he never done one miracle or anything else in a way of supernatural works until God showed him. Now that's either the truth or it isn't the truth. Let's follow him just a moment or two. Watch him when he started his ministry. How that when the people come to him, he knew who they were. He knew what was wrong with them. And he told them that. The church that day said he was a fortune teller. A Beelzebub, chief of the devils. And we all know the fortune tellings of the devil. But they didn't take time to think it out. I was speaking this morning with some Christian ministers at a breakfast this morning early, 
How many of you ever read the article in the Reader's Digest of the healing of Donnie Martin, the miracle of Donnie Martin? About three years ago, the Reader's Digest packed it all over the world, my meeting out in California. Strange that Miss Pepper's article followed just before that. But did you notice the pro and con? How that God makes himself known? Now, don't be suspicious. Drop away all your, your thoughts and remember, it's the Bible. If I preach something's not in the Bible, then I'm wrong. If the Spirit misbehaves itself some way that's not in the Bible, I'd be careful about it. But if it's in the Bible, it's the same Spirit was on them there. For he's the same. Now, I believe, outside of not criticizing the Roman Catholic, the Presbyterian, the Pentecostal, or any, I believe that this is God's foundation, the Bible. In the Old Testament, there were three ways of knowing a message to be true. First was the law, of course. But then, by a dreamer or a prophet, and they had what they called the Urim Thundum. Bible scholars knows what it was. It was Aaron's breastplate had the twelve tribes and their stones in this breastplate. It was hanging in the temple. They brought the prophet before it, and he prophesied and told what was said. And if a supernatural light didn't flash over that year and Sunday, no matter how real it seemed, they refused it. No matter how real the dream seemed, if the supernatural light didn't flash on the year and Sunday, they refused it. Now when the attic and priesthood was done away with, that year and Sunday was done away with. But God still has a year and Sunday. And that's this Bible. And if a dreamer tells his dream or a prophet prophesies, preacher preaches, and it's not in God's Bible, it won't flash on here, it's wrong to my opinion. But if it flashes, it's God saying it's the truth. The Bible said that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he is, he's got to act in every way he did then, or he's not Jesus Christ. I want to ask you something. If he will do it tonight, as he did in Galilee, how many in this building will say, by lifting up their hands, say this, Dear God, it'll increase my faith. I'll try to live a better life and have more faith knowing that you're walking with us. Would you raise your hands as if a witness to God? Now, Heavenly Father, as your tired servant, someday I'm going to preach my last sermon. I'm going to make that statement for the last time. I'm going to pray my last prayer. It'll all be over then. And then I'll have to meet you at the judgment. And I pray the most holy God and Father that you will visit us tonight in a most unusual way. We are not those people who have to have miracles. We do not seek after miracles or signs, but it's because that the Word must be fulfilled. It is written in the Bible that Jesus did those things that the Word might be fulfilled. The Gentiles 
generation is receiving its last call. The world is receiving its last call. And we feel, God, that you're near to move and to manifest your love in this evening light. And we pray that you'll do it. Now I submit my soul, body, and spirit unto thee. And I pray that every person in here will be, be charged with faith in such a way that the Holy Spirit will work miracles among us tonight that might increase the faith. Some of these dear pastors, missionaries, and evangelists driving many miles and sitting here just to get a little boost. Oh, God, it's better than all the vitamins that the drugstore could produce. It gives us eternal life. It gives us new hope. And we long to see his blessed presence as David cried tonight in our scripture lesson. To see thy power as I have seen it in thy sanctuary, O Lord. My soul thirsts to see it. That's our prayer tonight that we offer to thee in Jesus Christ's name, thy Son. Amen.
hardly but one thing left to do now. That's to call the prayer line and see the glory of God. You got your prayer card? One to a hundred? What's, what's the letter? Prayer card C? One to a hundred he gave out. Let's start from number one. Who has prayer card number one? See number one. Would you hold your hand just a minute? He turned right back around and said, Your faith has healed you. See? For she believed that her blood issue had stopped. And it was. Now he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now that's not the Old Testament. That's the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. Now, if you touch him tonight with your faith, how would you know whether you touched him or not? He'd have to speak to you in a human way, some way that you would know that he touched you. Wouldn't you have to know that? Now you just look to Jesus and believe. How many loved him with all your heart and all your soul? How wonderful. Now you're all strangers to me. As far as I know, I look over the audience and see if I can see anyone that I know. Let's see if there's anyone in the prayer line that I know. If you're in the prayer line standing there, how many we got there? Ten? All of you in the prayer line there, if you don't know me, raise up your hand. If I, you don't know me, you solemnly say that. You don't know me. I know nothing about you. If that's right, raise up your hand. I don't know you. All right? How many of the audience, balcony, or anywhere knows that I don't know you or one thing about you? Raise your hand. All right, there you are. Now, if anybody thinks it's false, do you want to come take my place? You're welcome. All right, brother. May the Lord grant it to her, brother, healing of her body is my prayer. Tell her to believe, have faith. You believe, do you, brother? Keep your hand laying on her. We'll see what God says. Now, I have no way to control this. It, I don't control it. It controls me. Prayer card 11. 14 and 15 is missing. Prayer card 11. No. 14. 14 is there. Good. All right. What was the other? 15. It's prayer card. What? 11. You got it? Haven't got it. Prayer card 11. Have oh, you got prayer card 11, lady? Here comes the lady now. All right? Now, how many more prayer cards is there out? Let's see your hands. See if it's got prayer cards. There's 30, 40, 50, yet in the building. It's got prayer cards. All right? I don't know how we're going to get through this line. I don't know. It may not even, God could just walk away from us, and that's all, I, that's all of it. I don't know. But look. The Bible said, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. How many knows the Bible says that? That three witnesses is a confirmation. Now, if the Holy Spirit would move in this building and confirm that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, 
and has sent back this glorious thing to us. Now remember, no matter how much God anoints me, if he doesn't anoint you, it won't work. You are the one who does it. It's your faith. Jesus never said, Say, lady, come here and I'll heal you that blood issue. She touched his garment and he said, Thy faith heal thee. See? It's your faith. Your doubter. A man told me not long ago, he said, Mr. Branham, I don't care what you would do or say, I don't believe it. I said, it wasn't given to unbelievers. It was only given to them that believe. It's not for unbelievers. They'll perish. I don't know, of course, all of you know this, that I'm strictly a Calvinist. I believe that men are ordained to eternal life and some are ordained to condemnation, according to God's word. The Bible said man of old was predestinated to this condemnation, turning the grace of God into lucidity. That's right. And if you, God's not willing that any should perish now, but to be God, he knowed from the very beginning who would be saved and who wouldn't be saved. If he didn't, he wasn't God. He's an infant, eternal God. So therefore, if you read Romans 8 and 9, you'll find out that he told, he said, I hate Esau and love Jacob before either boy was ever born from his mother's womb. Correctly. For he's God. He knows all things. So how can you make a believer, an unbeliever, a believer? When God knew in the beginning, he was an unbeliever. It wasn't meant for him. He said, Pharaoh, I've raised him up for this very same purpose. To work and work. It's not him that willeth, him that runneth. It's God that showeth mercy. Is that right? Certainly. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Please do this for me just in these next few minutes. If you'll just give us the next 15, 20 minutes of your time. And if mothers will keep your children as the Holy Spirit begins to settle just now, as the songs are playing, I know there's epilepsy in the crowd tonight. And that's, was it here at Tacoma? It was at Tacoma, where they had a child or somebody on the platform, I believe it was, was having an epileptic fit, and I tried to make the people be real quiet and behave and keep their heads down while I was praying, and they would not do it. And I asked him to do it, and a critic was setting up in the balcony down here at the ice arena, and I told him not to do that, and he let me know he'd take care of his own business. This was a public meeting. I said, then see to it. And when the Spirit left this child, it went on him, and he fell out with epilepsy. Anybody remember that from the, the meeting? There you are. I sat in the Jonesboro, Arkansas, where a minister and 28 of his members wouldn't bow their heads when we screamed. And an epileptic fell left that man and I was on the platform and twenty-eight people fell in the four chicken over chairs and everything from aristocratic or church with epilepsy and as far as I know they remain with it the rest of their lives. Phoenix, Arizona, one of the officials of the city, wanted to be arrogant, raised up and tried to say something. I said, sir, sit down. I'm trying to deal with a sick man. He said, oh, I'm getting tired of this psychology. I said, then. God judge you for it. And up here in San Bernardino, California, his wife held to my trouser legs in the mud while they drug me over the top of her. Her husband insane, sitting there going, hee, hee, like that beard all over his face. Crazy as he could be an official from Phoenix. About four weeks later, we're not playing church, friends. You're dealing with spiritual beings. 
How many remembers Acts 19? When a fellow thought he could cast out demons and went out and called over a man with epilepsy, said, I assure you by Jesus who Paul preaches come out. The devil said, I know Paul and I know Jesus, but who are you? You know what happened? They stripped the clothes off of them and had fits and run through the streets and everything. But just be reverent. Be real reverent. Watch this way. Do just as you as you're told to do. Believe with all your heart. Sit still and worship God and say, God be merciful to me and see what our Lord will do for you. I sent your prayer. All right. Is this the person that's to come? All right. Come. Now I want, now please don't move around. If you do, here's what it is. In Jesus' name, I take every soul in here under my control for the glory of God. Now sit still. Your spirit, when you move, it interrupts. You say, Brother Bram, is that true? Why did Jesus ask him to do it? Why did he take everybody out of the house of Jairus' daughter to be healed? I'll be real ready. Now, ladies, as far as I know, I've never seen you in my life. You've never seen me in your life. Is that right, Rachel? Never seen you in my life, and you've never seen, I've never seen you, and you've never seen me. Therefore, we're perfect strangers, both of us with our hands up to God, but we've never met one another before in life, know nothing of each other. Now, there may be something wrong with the woman. She may be a critic. She may be sick. She may be for somebody else. It may be financial troubles. Maybe domestic troubles. I don't know. God knows I don't know. But if this isn't a same kind of a picture of St. John the fourth chapter, I've never seen it. There's a man and a woman, like Matt Dan. Now, our love is sitting on the wall, waiting, sending his disciples away, and a woman come up to draw water. And he said, bring me a drink. Now, she was a Samaritan, not a Jew, a Samaritan. That's how it's Jew and Gentile. So he said, she said, it's not customary for you Jews to ask Samaritan questions. I watched him, he's talking to her. He said, but if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for a drink. I would give you water, you don't come here to draw. They carry a lengthy conversation. What was Jesus doing? He was contacting your spirit. Remember the father had told him he had need to go back to Jericho. He was Samaria, he was on his road down to Jericho. That's straight from Jerusalem, right down the mountain. But he went up around the mountain to Samaria because God had sent him up there. Now God kept him here to the coma. And here's a woman's come before me in a prayer line. All I know is God kept me here. I don't know her. She doesn't know me. So now if Jesus is the same yesterday forever, and I beat down truthful, tell him the truth. Now, maybe God will work that. I don't know he will. He may do it. If he does do it, and you go away from here a believer, God's getting worse than the soul. Now, I just want to talk to you. You just answer. Why, it's the same thing that Jesus done to the woman. Had you talked to her a while? He said, go get your husband. That was your trouble, wasn't it? She said, I don't have any husband. He said, you got five. Now, she didn't say, he's reading my mind. With telepathy, she said, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. You actually entered that gift. That's the reason she got something. That's the reason Mary got something with Martha. When she said, My, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, 
If you ask God, God will give it to you. He said, I'm the resurrection life. He will live by life as everlasting life. He said, I'm the resurrection life, the way he said it. He that is dead, what shall he live? And he shall live it and do it with me, shall never die. He said, do you this? She said, yes, Lord. I believe that you're the Son of God. There's some of you who are here. Her reverence to push that gift of God. He said, God, let us arise again. There you are. It's your approach. Now, that man that put a rag around his face, hit him on the hip with a stick, that Roman soldier, and said, God, if you're a prophesy, tell us who hits him with a reason. He never said a word. God don't clown for people. He certainly doesn't. He uses his power to magnify himself and to glorify himself. He's God and silent. I'm talking to you. If God will reveal to me, knowing that we are men and women who are in this great audience of people of several thousand tonight, watching this drama, and both of us under oath before God that we know not each other. Now, if God will reveal to me what you're here for, I don't know what it is, but what you're here for is you receive it. Now, if I go home and sit and go to get you're not right to doubt that. But if you will reveal it, like you're crippled, I said, well, you're crippled. If I say it's your eyes, it may be your eyes. Well, that wouldn't be no miracle. Maybe everybody can see you wearing glasses, your eyes are bad. But there would be something that I know nothing about. That is sure to be God. I trust that he'll do it. Now, if the audience can still hear my voice, the woman seems to be getting smaller. There's like a shadow between her and our stand, a light. The woman's suffering, yes, there she's very sick. She has many things wrong with her. The woman has something wrong in her bowels. It's colitis, I believe the doctor diagnoses that as colitis, kind of thin fella of the doctor. He said it's colitis, and then I see something about looking at the bottom of the feet. You got falling arches, too, that bothers you. That's true. Then you've got some sort of a bleeding, hemorrhaging of blood. That's the truth. When I see a drop of fish going from the roof, you're reeled over, upset, and you have a little blue spell. How you the evening when the suns are going down and get the kind of melancholy feeling, kind of strange feeling. I see you sitting in a chair looking out watching the sun through the window. You have a look on the That's true. I'm not reading your mind. And here's another thing. I hear you in a room praying. It's the side of a bed. And you're asking God to give you the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You're seeking for God. That's stuck stay up the ladder. Is that true or false? Is every bit of it true? You believe God, man? Would you say that to the audience? Even the description of the doctor, Paul, Paul Hedges. You see that? And God in heaven knows I know nothing about the woman. What is it? It's Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want to say this to you, my sister. The dark shadow that hung over you when you come here has gone from you. You're healed. You're on your road rejoicing and thank God. Amen. Go with you. I believe you are the second person to be here tonight. Are we strangers to each other? We do not know each other. You never saw me or met me or I met you in life. Is that right? I don't say that. You'll tell me that. I don't know. 
But if you does, would you accept it as the, you know it has to come from a supernatural resource. Would you accept it to be God? If you believe it to be God, you will benefit by it. If you do not, well then, to my opinion, it's sin. The Bible said, go ye and sin no more. Your sin is unbelief. Go ye and disbelieve no more, or worse things come upon you. Strong things struck the platform now. Stop that. Now we're not in this dimension of, if you find it, sure, this is not the three dimensions we live in, it's another dimension which is closer to God. Okay? Just go on. You believe that God will give you the desire of your heart. Uh -oh. You see him heal your body. You believe that he will heal. All right, now you look this way then. Just to contact your spirit. And believe in your God will do it. Humbly I ask you to do it. If the audience is still hearing me, I see the ladies in a serious condition. The first thing, she's extremely nervous. That's called for the time of her life, her age. She has nervous spells. And again, she's suffering with a lady's trouble, a female trouble. And that female trouble is diagnosed as a tumor. It's a tumor, says the doctor. And you're up for an operation. Should be operated on. That's just so it's the law. Is that true? Do you believe it? Everyone? Now let us pray, sisters. All of you together while we bow our heads. Blessed Lord, I pray that you will help our sisters and will heal her body and let her know it too. That the Christ of God who spoke to the woman at the well as a poor, humble, and worthy people here are married tonight, that it can manifest his power and his glory. May every God pray from her, and may she be healed by the grace of God. In the name of Jesus, I ask it. Amen. God bless you, my sister. How do you do? Ladies, you sitting up there in the bathroom with the blue dress on, that high blood pressure had you sitting right up there. You believe that a lady right here heavy step with a gray hair, suffering with high blood pressure, was just praying for her healing. A lady right here in front of you was suffering low. That's right. God has healed you and rewarded you with your faith. Go ahead and get well. Amen. That did a woman touch. Who did she touch? She's 30 or 40 yards from me. Lady up there in the bathroom here was just healed. I do not know you, is that right? You don't know me, that's right? But you were just praying for God to touch you, and he did it. He rewarded you out of your faith. You without prayer cards now, just like her, you go to praying and believing that God will heal you. That's the same Jesus, forever the same Lord Jesus. He said, if thou canst believe, 
all things are possible. Now, young lady, standing here before me, are you aware that you're in the presence of something? Because I'm looking at the girl, and that light that's on the picture is settled around this girl right now. If you're aware that something real, sweet, loving, kind, feeling on you, raise up your hand to the audience. You know that your brother standing here could not produce that. The reason I said brother is because that you are a believer, a Christian. You look like a healthy woman. I do not know you. I've never seen you in my life. If that's right, raise your hand towards the audience. But if God of heaven will reveal me, just keep your eyes closed so the people can see it's not mental telepathy. If God will reveal to me what your trouble is, will you accept Christ and believe that it's him you're speaking? Will you do that? Raise your hand like that. Now, the lady is not standing here for herself. She's standing here for someone else. And that woman is a relative to her. It's her aunt. And she doesn't live in this country. She's more of a plains country. It's nasty cold where she's from. And she suffers with a real extreme nervous condition. And she's having spiritual problems. And she's got ulcers. That's the truth. And not only that, but there's a pressure pulling from this meeting, which is another woman. And the woman is with you, and it's your sister. And she, you're praying for her right now for her back trouble to be healed. That's back hair for life. That's the truth, isn't it? If it is, raise both your hands up. Go and receive it and send that handkerchief with the pure in it to your loved one and be healed in Christ's name. If thou canst believe, I don't move around. I'm just expecting something to happen. I just believe it will. I pray all day for a great, great force tonight. Suffer with the nervous trouble, don't you, lady sitting right there? God just heals you of it. The man, second seat behind you back there, has high blood pressure. Sitting right back up here, sitting in front of me. You believe Jesus Christ make you well, sir? If you will believe it, yes, sir, you are healed. Jesus Christ makes you well. Amen. You're suffering with a growth in your body, lady. That's right. And if God will reveal to me where that growth is, will appear to my eyes, will you believe me to be God's prophet? Now, man, you talk to the lady. We're both anointed right now. You're aware of that, lady. The growth is on your breast. It's on your right breast. And I see you coming from some other city. You're not from this city. 
you're from a city north of here. And it's a city that's got lots of here, Seattle. That's right. Return to Seattle. Believe God and the growth will leave you. Thus saith the Lord. Have faith in God. Don't doubt. Believe. I do not know yet, lady. We are strangers to each other. But if God will reveal to me what your trouble is, will you believe me as his servant? Thank you, ma'am. I'm so happy for that. Now, that gallbladder trouble, and you have an infection, and you're up for an operation, you believe it will leave you now? Well, let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of thy Son, the Lord Jesus, I pray that you heal this woman, take away her affliction, this great church of God, ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Go believe in you. Go from you. Believe God heal you that scientist? Make you well? If you believe, you can have it. What about sitting next to you as a gallbladder trouble? Heart trouble too. You believe God heal you the gallbladder and heart trouble? If thou can't believe, all things are possible. What do you think about it, brother? You believe with all your heart? Are we strangers to each other? You were healed in my meeting once before. Is that it down with the corner? That's been about 10 years ago. 19 years ago. Therefore, I would know that my son, I would know you from what you tomorrow. As you're standing here, you were healed outside the line without any prayer. You're healed in the meeting. Of course, I know nothing about you then and nothing of you. Now, if God will reveal what this little man is here for, how many in the audience will say, I will take Christ as my healer right now. If I and this man will raise our hands that we will not each other. Never met as far as I know before in this life. Then you believe me. Now, let the man be the judge. If God will grant it, I don't know. We'll ask him and see. May God grant it, my brother. And reveal what your trouble is, so that the audience, I believe, will raise your hands sincerely. You are suffering with some sort of a poison, kind of like a kidney poison, right? That's right. And that's because you only have one kidney. And you've got uh, a prostate trouble, which causes you to get up at night. And I see you as a young man on being operated. It's at least 40 or 50 years ago that kidney was removed. 44 years ago. That's correct, is it? Christ heals you. We're on your road rejoicing and be happy in Jesus' name. God bless you.
getting tremendous sweet now. What is it? It's the audience. I'm trying to catch the audience and this ain't good. Everybody's just believing at this point from place to place. Just keep on, that's all. Just keep believing. More you talk to the people, more you know. More it reveals, but the reason I keep passing one to the other so that there'll be more than two or three witnesses to confirm it. The little lady standing here. We are strangers to each other. We do not know each other at all. First time we've ever met in life. All right? If there's something in your mind or heart that you're here for, I don't know. But if God will reveal to me what you're here for, will you accept it as the Christ trying to get to you to heal you? You will. Will the audience promise they'll do the same every suffering woman in this audience? Will you promise the same? May the God of heaven grant it, ladies. While we're both with our hands before God, we know not each other. You are suffering with kind of a gallbladder trouble, a lady's trouble. That's true. And I see something move, I heard something speak in the spirit. Just a moment. Yes? You know I don't know you, but if God will tell me what your name is, would you believe me? You're Mrs. Charles White. If that's that, raise your hand. You're on your own rejoicing, you're healed, sister. God makes you well. Now that you might think telepathy, I know it's coming from the audience from somewhere, but I can't find it. If I would, I'd call you out. Right. Ladies, lay your hand on mine. Patience. If God will reveal to me, looking this way, what's wrong with you, will you accept it? Raise your hand. Then you can leave the platform. Your heart trouble is finished. You go on as you have to Now, ladies, you just touch my hand back this way. If God will reveal to me this way, what's wrong with you? Will you accept your healing? If you will, take your hand off the mine. All right? I see you trying to get out. Maybe you're on the side of the street stepping sideways off the ladder. That's right. You're on your way to Johnson and leaving down. You were feeling with heart trouble while you were sitting in the chair. Just go on your way to Johnson and thank you God. I just touch my hand so I can keep in the contact with people. Just the way of contact. If God will reveal to me looking this way or up this way, what's wrong with you? Will you accept it? And you know what's the truth or not, if you will take your hand out tonight. Will you always believe it if you raise your hand to God? My Father, it's up to you. I see the woman dashing. It's, it's a stomach trouble. Off it from the stomach. That's exactly right. Now, if you believe it with all your heart, you can go off the platform and be made well. Go rejoice and be happy. All right, come. Better as you come, because you see the shadow. <laughs> you realize that's wrong with you? You believe that Christ can change that death to life and make, it, make you live? You know? Cancer's on the other him and then that's okay. But if you agree, the pain will leave you. Will you believe it? Absolutely. Come here, let us pray. I'd ask you something. There's something here that knows you. No, I don't. But whatever it is, do you believe it's Christ 
Then if you look at something in mind, Jesus said these signs shall follow them that breathe. Do you believe I'm a believer? Absolutely. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. Did Christ say that? Yes. Yeah. The same Christ that said it's been living since 2,000 years ago, he said it. It's written out of the beginning with the truth. Then you have to get well, don't you? Oh, God, have mercy upon the man. And in the name of God, the Lord's Son, Jesus, we challenge this devil to a duel. We believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is in our midst tonight doing these things. And people, many across the world, are failing to see it because they only have an intellectual conception of him. But those who are born of the Spirit know that our Spirit bears record with his Spirit that we're sons and daughters of God. And in the light of Calvary, I challenge the enemy of this man's life. And in the face of his faith, I pray for this demon to leave his body. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Go rejoicing, brother, and being happy. You think that back trouble left you while you were sitting there? <laughs> if you do, go on. <laughs> Amen. Yes, just leave it with all your heart. What if I told you the Lord Jesus saved you all set now? Would you take my word for it? Well, I'm going to be happy then. Right. Amen. Are you living? I thought so. Now between you and I, there's something dropping. It's blood. Which means you're a diabetic. Insulin is a mighty good thing. Insulin is a remedy. But Christ is a cure. Will you believe him tonight? Let you and I go to Calvary for our blood transfusion now. Jehovah God, be merciful to this dear woman. And may the sugar in this blood be taken out by the mighty healing power of Jesus Christ, who created the blood cell. And we pray that you'll grant it. And when the physician examines that, you're tested again. May he be surprised and say, Lady, something's happened. You're healed. Then she'll turn me to your praise and glory to be. I lay my unworthy hands upon her in the name of Jesus Christ for her healing. Amen. God bless you, sister. Yes. And I was going to say, don't fear about that boy. He'll come on. Are you believing? Is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever? Then if you believe me as his servant, I'm going to ask you to do something. Brother Stockman or Billy or someone has caught me on the side. Something's happened. That is, uh, I've gotten so weak that they're going to take me from the platform. That's the time that I'm supposed to go. I want to say to you this, that if I never see you again in this world, I've told the truth about Jesus Christ. He's vindicated the same. And I'll say this in his name, that every sick person in here, if you're a sinner, if you will confess your sins, if you're, that is an unbeliever, confess your unbelief and believe God right now, there will not be a feeble person in our midst. Now, surely, if everything else I've done has been perfectly vindicated by God, surely my word's vindicated by God. I told you what he said. He turned right back around and testified that what I said is the truth. 
Now, I want you to lay your hands on one another. The sick people all over the building. That's right. I believe you're fixing to see something that you've never seen before. I believe that you're going to see one of the greatest bursts of healing that you've ever seen. I feel that in the light of God's word and the witness of the Holy 